0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF the podcast. This is episode forty-six called Nicole. So guys, on today's episode, I am partnering with Mom Culture, an online lifestyle brand created to spread positive vibes and to highlight both the salty and the sweet sides of parenthood and the road to parenthood. They have this great collection that includes the Rainbow Mama Tea and the Rainbow Babe Tea, created in collaboration with Dr. Jessica Zucker of the hashtag I Had a Miscarriage campaign. These shirts, which are super cute, were created to help raise awareness and connection within the pregnancy and infant loss community. The best part, a portion of proceeds from each one sold goes to continue the work of Dr. Zucker and the hashtag I had a miscarriage campaign. So make sure you check them out at www.momculture.com. And if you use the code infertile AF, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase through February 29th. So again, it's the Rainbow Mama and Rainbow Babe collection at momculture.com. Thanks, Mom Culture. Hi again, guys. So my guest today is Nicole Lawson, an incredible woman who went through years of infertility, including three devastating miscarriages, before choosing to go the surrogacy route. And I'm happy to say that today she's got two healthy daughters via surrogacy. But that's not all. Nicole was so moved by the surrogacy process that she started her own agency, Called Abundant Beginnings, based in Los Angeles. Nicole's mom, Pamela Hirsch, is another extraordinary woman who, because of what Nicole went through and the high costs of IVF, surrogacy, and all the other treatments for infertility, created Baby Quest, which is an incredible nonprofit charity that gives grants to people who need help having children because they can't afford the high costs of all these procedures. So, you've heard me talk about Baby Quest before on the podcast in Bridget's episode, in America's episode, and I'm sure some other times too, because Pamela is very entrenched in this community and she does so much good. So her name keeps coming up. And I just want to say that so much good is happening in this family of extraordinary women. I'm proud to know them both. So thank you, Nicole, for sharing your story. Thank you, Pamela, for all that you do. And without further ado, this is Nicole's infertility story. <music> Hi, Nicole.
1: How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. I've been really looking forward to talking to you. I know that you're the co-owner of a really successful surrogacy agency called Abundant Beginnings. And the reason or one of the you know the catalysts for starting that was that you had long infertility struggles, right?
1: That's correct. Okay. Yes. So
0: if you don't mind, tell me how it all started for you. When did you know that you know there was an issue, and when did you start trying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you first and foremost for having um, me speak today, of and course. yeah. So my story, you know, and I'm sure you you hear these fertility stories over and over again, and mine is no different than the thousands of women that go through this. And well, you know it's so it, funny?
0: Not to interrupt, but they're all uh, so different. I mean, they really are yeah. all so different. That which blows me away every time. So I'm sure there's some variables that you're going to talk about that. You know, are new to this podcast, so
1: yeah. And it's so it's so heartbreaking that we all have to go through this. And now being on the other side and and having my two girls, of course, it is easier for me to talk about this. Totally. Um, and I haven't, you know, you you start thinking back to okay, well, when did this all start? And of course, everybody assumes you're you try your whole life not to get pregnant, and then mm-hmm. when you're ready to try, it's just going to happen. And that's just how I assumed my story was going to go. I, I met my now husband, obviously when I was 18 and I was so young and we were together forever until at about, I was 26, 27 when we said, okay, let's have a baby. Um, and we were ready. And that was, um, we were following, you know, the path and the story, Mm -hmm. um, of you get married and you have a baby. And so did you guys meet in college or we met in college and you were together from 18 straight on through? He was a little bit older, but uh-huh. yes. Yeah, okay. we um, he graduated school and moved to LA to get into the entertainment world. And I um, followed him a few years later and wanted to get into entertainment as well. And that's mm-hmm. what I did. So we, we started trying and it was just a... Um, in the beginning, it was one of those things where it wasn't working the first few months, and I, I do remember we went on our first trip to to Europe, and I was like, "Oh, it's going to have, we're going to get pregnant in Europe, and that's going to be so cool, and that's our story." Mm-hmm. And then it didn't happen, and then it continued to not happen. So I went just to my regular OB and said, "Hey, we've been trying for a few months. What's going on?" And he said, "Oh, I think you have what's called PCOS, so you don't ovulate." regularly. I'm like, what the hell's PCOS? I've never heard of this before. So the first thing, of course, they did, let's put you on Clomed. So they put me on Clomed and a few, gosh, I think about a month later I got pregnant. And I was like, oh, this is amazing, wonderful. And then I went in for the heartbeat check and everything looked great. I was six weeks and perfect. Mm-hmm. And then I went in again at eight weeks and there was no heartbeat. And oh. I was like, what? What in the world? Like, why? Why? And you know, your first miscarriage. It's like, okay, you know, it's really it was really hard for me to swallow. But it was Absolutely. like, okay, just try again, try again. Um, and the doctor's like, you're so young, you're only 28. You know, it just this happens. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. So then, of course, needed to get back on Clomid because wasn't getting pregnant. But this time, the Clomid wasn't working for some reason. Mm-hmm. So you know, we waited about a year and nothing was working to get pregnant again. So the doctor said, I think you should meet with a fertility doctor. So met with a fertility doctor and did IVF. and the one thing that I, I feel very fortunate about is I was an overproducer on getting, um, getting aches. So I mm-hmm. always had so many aches but I always overstimulated so I would get super sick and it was just a, it was a big process mm-hmm. um, but ended up getting pregnant again with IVF on um, your first round. On our first round, wow. so you did you um, skip
0: IUIs entirely? Went
1: straight to IVF? No, I did IUIs. Okay, um, I probably did. And again, this is some. It's it's all you know. You you do try to forget all of this. Um, totally, I blocked but, my
0: whole thing out. And I feel like every time I tell the story, it's slightly different. And I'm like, I'm not really lying. Right. I just like don't really remember.
1: I know, I know. That's the thing. And I could have, you know, wrote it verbatim. You know, when I was going through Completely. it, which I kind of should have, but um. So, yes, I did think I want to say like maybe three or four IUIs, but those never worked. But of course, it is the thing that a lot of doctors suggest first because it is so much um, cheaper than going straight to IVF. Mm -hmm. Um, But after about three or four of those, those didn't work. We did IVF and we always had to, um, it worked on the first try, which is great and then went in saw the heartbeat at 6 weeks and then at about 8 or 9 weeks once again i i miscarried and i remember oh, each God. miscarriage and what happened because of course you know it's the the, the shock of it, and oh my god, I'm bleeding i'm I'm miscarrying, and I remember you know I was at work when it happened, and mm-hmm. thank God my company at the time was was so supportive and my my coworkers were so supportive and they knew what I was going through, mm-hmm. but it sucked it sucked, oh and god, it yes. was a really dark period, and you think, okay, the first one like okay that's that sucks, and then the mm-hmm. second one is. That the second one was really hard for for me and my husband and my whole family. It wasn't yeah. just us. it was it was everybody who was going through it. And then of course after the first, and then you're so anxious and you're like, okay, just be calm, be calm, because if you freak out, then you're gonna miscarry because you're getting too worked up <laughs> yeah. and you're not relaxed and and all of you know that crap that you hear. Um, it's all it, it it's totally mentally debilitating and mm-hmm. it's really it's really hard. And so that one that one was really was was hard. And so we did that time, you know, again, they're like, You're so young, this shouldn't be happening. So they did all the tissue sampling just to make sure it wasn't a chromosomal thing or what was going on. And of course everything showed it was totally normal. Wow. So then at this point the doctor's like, okay, just keep trying, keep trying. I'm like, well how many miscarriages do I have to go through? Like this something exactly. doesn't seem right. So I they said just try again, try again. So I went in, we did another, I can't remember actually if we used frozen or if we did a whole fresh IVF because at the time everyone always said fresh is best. So, and again, this is a number of years ago. So the Mm -hmm. philosophy was definitely a little bit different. So we did another round, of course, got pregnant on the first try. Mm -hmm. And this one, I remember going in for the the heartbeat, they saw it. And then again, I started bleeding, you know, a week later. It was literally all the exact same timing every single. All the time. So, um, started bleeding, went in, and the doctor at the time was just like, You know, I think I might see a heartbeat, but I'm not sure. Go walk around a little bit and let's see, you know, what happens. And it was just, uh-huh. uh, I'm surprised I didn't have a mental breakdown at that point. Seriously. And thank God my husband was just, I mean, he was awesome and, and so supportive and just like, honey, don't worry, don't worry. So, anyways, we suffered our third miscarriage, and uh-huh. that one, I was just pissed. I was so angry. I was pissed at myself because I thought I was doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, I was just, I was angry. Mm-hmm. So that one, I wasn't even sad. I was just angry and I wanted to give up. And I just, you know, I laid in bed and and was trying to focus on other things. And I'm, I have a pretty positive personality and I was mm-hmm. trying not to let it get to me but of course everybody around me i was at the age where all my friends were getting pregnant by yep. you know looking at their husbands and right. um, and i was that one who you know, freaked all my friends out to start early and they did, and they were having their babies. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at this point, you know, three years had gone by since we had started. So Mm -hmm. I was in my early thirties. And actually I remember, um, I had my third miscarriage a few weeks before I was turning 30 and my husband, um, had, you know, we were planning something. I said, you need to cancel everything. Like I cannot see anybody. I don't Mm want to be with anybody. Um, and I'm going to start crying because I just remember, him? it was really sweet and he surprised me with a surprise party for my 30th and I was so pissed at him but I was so happy that all my friends were there. Aww. so it was really special and yeah. Um, anyway, so moving Aww. on, um Sorry. so then you no know, it's fine. So then we you know you're at that point where okay, what do you do? Do you keep trying? And I remember the doctor basically saying, like, you're so young, you can keep trying. And I was like, well, I'm not sure mentally how much more I can take of all of this. Mm-hmm. So then, um, My mom at the time was like, we're going to switch doctors and let's just start fresh. And I said, okay. And like even my clients today, a lot of them, they go through years of this and then they finally, whether they switch doctors or whatever it is, sometimes a fresh look on things is what you need. So I Mm -hmm. ended up switching doctors. Mm And um, she was like, oh, have they ever done, uh," you know, she went through all my history and she's like, have they ever done an MRI on you to look at your uterus? Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's some notes in your history that said you might have a bicorinated uterus. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I think I also had like one or two surgeries to remove crap in my uterus. And they never really said anything about my uterus, but I Mm -hmm. never had had an MRI. So, long story short, did an MRI and she's like, "You have a severe, severe bicoordinated uterus," which means basically my uterus was. Sometimes you can have a little septum, and you know some people have a bicoordinated uterus and go on and have full term babies. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can have such a severe bicoordinated uterus that is basically it's your, your uterus is broken in half.
0: Mm-hmm. It kind of looks like a horn, right?
1: It's a horn, exactly. I'm not gonna so lie, I, I
0: just Googled it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's really interesting. And so the severity can be very minimal or it can be extremely severe. So the doctor's like you have an extremely severe bicoordinated uterus and every time you get pregnant it the the baby or the fetus, you know it's attached to an area where there's no blood supply. Oh. So that is why you're every time you see the heartbeat, and then at eight or nine weeks, you miscarry because there's no blood supply that's getting to the baby. Oh and at this God. point, it, you know, it was like, so her, she was basically like, you can get a surrogate or you can keep trying and you could be on bed rest, you could keep losing the babies. We we don't know. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, what is a surrogate? I don't even know what that is. And I remember I was actually walking on the street on little Santa Monica Boulevard. I totally remember where I was when she called me and told me this news. And uh-huh. I called my mom immediately and my I was like, so the doctor just called and she says, I um, I have this. And I my, my best chance of ever having a child is to get a surrogate. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even know what that is, but I, I can't do it because I'm gonna. That's giving up, and I, I'm not a person who gives up on things. Mm. And I said, I'll just keep trying. It's not a big deal. Um, and my mom was like, No, you're getting a surrogate. And I was Aww. like, I think it costs too much. I don't even know. And again, this was over ten years ago. Uh-huh. Where surrogacy—you read about it in a magazine with a famous person doing it, right? But not a normal person walking down Little Santa Monica Boulevard doing it, like. <laughs> commoner, you know, it wasn't something that was done. And yes. and I, I didn't want to, I wanted to be able to carry my baby. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. there yet. And so, I went home and I told my husband and I was like, so she said surrogacy. I don't even know what this is, but my mom's is like, we should do it. And he was like, well, let's just do it. And I was like, but that's giving up. And he was like, Nick, he's like, I personally can't see you go through anymore. And I was like, but I've only had three miscarriages and everybody else, like some people go through 10. He's like, I don't care. Like you clearly like, no, like if we have the opportunity to do this, let's just Mm -hmm. explore it and see. So that is, that was our story. And okay, so that's so what, what led us to the circus see.
0: Yes. And we, I want to talk about your mom a little bit too. Your mom, Pamela, yeah. who founded Baby Quest, which we can yes. talk about more after you're finished with your story too.
1: Yeah. Baby Quest was started after my mom obviously saw that we we needed a surrogate and financially couldn't afford it. And Mm -hmm. we were so thankful that our our families helped us through that or else we truly would not have our children Mm -hmm. um, because the costs are so high. So Baby Quest gives grants out to those who are struggling with infertility treatments who financially can't afford it. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And one thing I love about baby quest is that it's very inclusive. You guys, you know, they accept applications from heterosexual, same sex couples, singles. I think that is so awesome.
1: Absolutely. And when she, when she had mentioned this, it was one of those things I'm like, there has to be an organization out there that's inclusive of everybody. And my mom was like, no, there is not. And that's just insane. So yeah, (laughs) It is. Yeah. So it is an amazing organization and what they've done over the years and how many babies. um, How many babies babies are there? I want want to say it's in the 80s now. Wow. That's so cool.
0: So tell me about the surrogacy process for you guys. You know, you said you didn't know much about it. Where did you even begin?
1: Yeah. So I started to do research and just started to look into it, like what what is this, um, and it was an amazing and as I mentioned in the beginning for us and going through all of this, everyone's like oh you'll just adopt or oh you'll just do this and and that's a really hard thing for somebody to hear who's going mm-hmm. through infertility is oh you'll just adopt mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing wrong with that and it's beautiful mm-hmm. and and it was just something that's really challenging to accept the A, okay, you're not going to be able to carry your baby. And adoption, there's no guarantee. And so to go through even more heartbreak, and the adoption process is not quick either. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to explore surrogacy first. And that was something where we, for us, you know, we were able to get the embryos. Um, it was just a matter of finding somebody who would carry for us. Mm-hmm. So we just started to put feelers out there of, did we know anybody who used an agency? Um, because they're It's scary, and there's so much information out there and misinformation out there, and you're putting so much trust into, you know, to a company to help you through something you want so badly, Mm -hmm. Um, and it it is so expensive. So we, you know, I had a, it was like a friend of a friend of a friend who had gone through it. So I reached out to her and just started asking her ten thousand questions about the Mm -hmm. process, and. Then found an agency who they found me, um, and at the time again I was not working in the surrogacy world. I was working in entertainment, so I found a, a wonderful agency who helped us. And they, my first surrogate, she lived in the Bay Area, and I still remember my my husband and I, um, you know, sitting at the computer signing our, our contract. I'm like, we're signing our life away, and mm-hmm. are we really doing this? And right. I'm like, I could still keep trying, and he's like, No, you are not. Trying anymore, just you know, and we went through our emotions of acceptance. Like, sure, I was like, I like how am i never going to be able to feel this baby kick like that's that was really sad for me but i i went through those emotions so by the time mm-hmm. we signed our contract and we you know we were full speed in this with the surrogacy i never had any doubts i i never questioned it once i started it mm-hmm. because you you can't like you can always you never want to Look back and say, Oh, I should have done this. Like everybody's journey to get to surrogacy is different. Some need to go through 10 miscarriages, some need to go through one. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no right or wrong answer. Like, when is the time I should turn to surrogacy? Mm -hmm. Because everybody's journey to get there emotionally and physically is going to be different. Absolutely. I knew I didn't have it in me anymore, and I just wanted a child. Mm-hmm. I don't care you know if it was my biology, if I carried it, whatever. I just knew I wanted to raise a child so right. i I was at the point where Okay, I, I am there, but again, everybody's everybody is different. Right. So we we had just accepted it. And I do feel that you have to be ready emotionally, you know, whether you need to talk to a therapist or friends or whatever to to get to that point. Yeah. But we were Full, fully in and it was it was for us it was a beautiful experience it still had its bumps can i back it,
0: up a little bit sorry to yes, interrupt but yes. just no, a no, couple no. questions so you had you you just did another round of ivf and getting yes. the embryos can you yep. how many did you did you have so
1: i had frozen embryos at the time but supposedly again they were oh, like new surrogacy. let's do fresh so okay. We had um, done another fresh cycle and I had gotten like 30 eggs because I was such an overproducer with eggs, but that was never an issue. And they ended up at, you know, back in the day, it was put two embryos in. So they ended up putting two embryos in the surrogate. And also I
0: want to know, how did you choose the particular surrogate? Yes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, it's so, um, and being in it now and I do this on a daily basis and screen surrogates and, and know what to look for. Yeah. Back then when I was, you know, so new to everything, it was it was kind of scary. But we went with the first surrogate that we looked at, honestly. Okay. <laughs> and which is like amazing to look back and be like, yep, she looks good. Let's do this. And And what and, kind of
0: information was available about her? And also follow up to that is did they have to choose you as well? Absolutely. Okay. So, so this it's like, is like a, a mutual a,
1: decision. Yep, and it's a two way street. So she, you know, um, surrogates will put together profiles. You know, it's a 12 page profile on themselves, which gives history on their pregnancy, you know, their background, where they grew up, their interests. And when it comes to a surrogate, genetics, it doesn't matter, obviously, because we're not using their genes. So Mm -hmm. it's really the most important factor was her support system and her medical history. What do you mean by Um, support system? Like you want a surrogate, you want to make sure that they have, you know, if they're on bed rest, like who's going to help them with their kids? Mm-hmm. Who who supports them? Who's uh, their village? there for them? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's when it comes to surrogacy, that's really the most important factors are medical history and support system. Gotcha. Some okay. will say, well, you know, why does she want to do this? And what type of person wants to be a surrogate. So, I mean, there's, there's, and everybody's every, you know, a lot of people who are looking at circuits there, everyone's looking at different things Mm -hmm. for me. My husband and I, we just wanted somebody who was healthy. We really didn't care about location, but we just, you know, you you want to read their profile and have a good feeling about them. And when right. we read her profile, we were like, yes, she sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, and she so and and we we met her and and it, it's so fascinating because my husband and I just we dived in right away and we became really close with her even before she was pregnant. And now being in this world. World, clients will be like, Well, what type of relationship should I have in the beginning? Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of those that really does form organically. Some, like me, jump in right away, and some are more reserved and wait till she's pregnant or 20 weeks pregnant because they mm-hmm. don't want to get hurt. And we and you know, being on the the professional side, I, I do recommend that. But on the personal side, it's really hard not to jump in mm-hmm. because this person's gonna be carrying your child. So right. it, it's a very delicate road and and one again, there's no right or wrong and it's yeah. such a personal, a personal journey. So for um, jumping
0: in for you, did that mean meeting her in person? I know you're yeah. in LA and she's in the Bay Area. So did you guys get yep. together or we did,
1: yeah. Okay. We met. We actually met the day of her medical evaluation, and I went with her to the appointment, and I was physically, you know, there. And what was sort of as an intended parent, not having to go through, you know, the evaluation and the probing and the prodding and the needles and the this and that. You're sort of sitting there like, okay, this is a really weird experience, um, and you sort of as a woman, like, I took on the role of like. A partner because you're physically, you know, so you just, you got to experience this in a whole different way where my husband was definitely very removed from the process because it was just a a different experience. Um, It wasn't his, you know, his wife going through this. It was sort of, you know, Surrogate, so it was just definitely you feel very removed from it, Mm -hmm. you know, in a big way. But she she was lovely and wonderful, and she knew how anxious I was, and she really just she was great and very um, nurturing to us and making sure that. Josh and I felt very comfortable with everything, mm-hmm. and she knew how scared we were as every intended parent is um, during those that phase of everything it's just it's all new territory, so it was right. it was very emotional but she she was great, and she ended up um, we you know she has to go through all of her medical screening and legal and and all of that process to even get. To a transfer, so it's a number of months to get to that point. So, and we had waited so long at this at this point. So, of course, we're anxious and nervous. And and she ended up, you know, I, I still remember, you know, the transfer day and. Um, and you know we have so many photos and everything, and she ended up transferring two embryos because mm-hmm. at that point we just we wanted babies. So We're like, let's have twins. We don't care. You know, right. we want as many babies as possible. Not thinking about the risk of carrying twins, but at the time, it's just you just want babies and you don't think about that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. So, but had she ended- been a surrogate before, or were you guys her first time? Or.
1: Yep. So she had been a, a surrogate before. So she was what was called an experienced surrogate. Okay. And she had, at the time, she had two of her own and then she had one... Surrogacy baby. So she had three pregnancies at that point. So we Uh were her fourth. And you know, some you know, and this is a whole different area of discussion. But some will say, oh, you know, if you're looking into this, um, do you do you know an experienced surrogate versus a first time surrogate? And for us, it just happened to be that our first was experienced, but our second journey we used a first time surrogate. Um, And we always say there's pros and cons to both. But again, it's sort of a whole different conversation. But yeah, mm-hmm. so our, our first we used an experienced. And, and again, for us, it was all new territory. So it did, you know, definitely add a little extra um, layer of comfort in there. Mhm. She ended up getting pregnant and we we ended up driving up for the first ultrasound which was at 6 weeks and that ultrasound was with her own doctor and we go in there and they do the ultrasound and and he sees, you know, one heartbeat and then he was like, "Oh, there's two heartbeats." And we were like, Wait, so both embryos took, and he was like, No, you're, um, you have identical she's carrying identical twins because Whoa. there's only one. And this might have actually, to be honest, I think maybe we had one ultrasound, they saw one heartbeat, and maybe this was at eight or nine weeks that we went back. I think that's what it was. It. We went back, and that's when they saw two heartbeats. Whoa, and that's so when they split? realized. Yes, yeah. so it had split in the one embryo had split, which is, I want to say it's like less than 1%. In IVF, it does happen, but mm-hmm. it's very rare that it happens. Wow. So it split, we were carrying identical and we we were just, you know, of course it was like, oh my God, can we handle twins? And, you know, the excitement that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing, you know, with identical twins, there's so many risks and and it turns out they, you know, were sharing all the, you know, it was, um, they were sharing the, uh, the placenta and they were in one sack and, you know, there was so many concerns. So long story short, at around, mm-hmm. 14 or 15 weeks, we went back, and it turns out that we lost one of the twins. Mm. So, for us, and our surrogate was devastated. And I just remember, you know, she was just crying, and it was so emotional for her. And for Josh and I, it was like, you know, we have to focus. We have one Mm -hmm. healthy, Pregnancy now, uh-huh. like we don't have to worry so much about you know the twins and all of that. And for right. the surrogate, she had never suffered anything oh. like that. So it was definitely that was our big bump in our our journey, and it yeah. was scary. It is. It was just part of the. Yeah. <laughs> it was part of the path, and. Right. Um, And, you know, in the end, it led to the healthiest pregnancy. And everything was so easy and smooth after that, for the most part. And we have our beautiful girl who's going to be 10 in January. And it was a blessing. And I remember going through, you know, the emotions in the beginning of the pregnancy, I was definitely more emotional. Like she and our surrogate was very, she would communicate with us all the time and send us, you know, videos of the, you know, of her seeing the baby kick in the first few times. That was definitely very challenging for me and mm-hmm. me telling my husband like that's supposed to be me and I'm supposed to be feeling that and and right. him just saying, but just know like our that's our baby girl and she's gonna be here so soon and just reminding me what was important. Like, was it feeling the baby kick or was it having a baby in the end? So right. I just had to keep reminding myself of that, which Definitely. I did. And and after those first few months, it was, um, we, you know, I don't think we embraced it, like realized we were having a baby till she was probably about 25 weeks. Cause I was still freaked out. And mm-hmm. every appointment I would go in and be like, Oh, something's going to be wrong. Like, and, and that's, every Everyone who goes through this it's, absolutely it's like it's, always waiting for the other shoe to drop, always, yep,
0: always. Yep. so the pregnancy, the rest of it was fine, and you had your healthy
1: baby girl. Tell me about when she was born. what was that? Were you able to be in the room as an agency owner now like we we talk about that, like who's going to be in the room and if the hospital can you protocol... guys
0: decide that, or does the hospital have to decide, or what's so normally?
1: For a vaginal delivery, they allow at least two to three people in there. When it comes to C-sections, that's a little bit different. And of course, we always want the surrogate to have a support person, mm-hmm. um, there, whether it's their husband, partner, or a mom in there to be there with them. Mm-hmm. And then of course, having if um, they are only limited to two people, then you know one of the intended parents would be in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, it was a vaginal. And so both my husband and I were able to be in the room. And Mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was a really special day. And I remember everything so clearly. And I was so anxious and so nervous. And I, I remember my surrogate at the time, a few weeks before the birth, she had asked if she, you know, you go through this whole birth plan and who's going to hold the baby first and mm-hmm. who, who's going to cut the cord, you know, all of that. So she had asked if the if it was okay if the doctor could hand her the baby first and she could pat, she could give me the baby because she wanted to make it full circle for her mm. and be the one to hand me the baby. I love that. Which was really special. And I at the time I didn't think about it. It was like, oh absolutely like mm-hmm. totally. And so the the day came and we, you know, checked into the hospital in the morning and she was induced because she was um, 40 weeks and hadn't gone into labor yet. Mm-hmm. So she was induced. So it was a very calm day and we waited all day and finally around five like the water broke and, and then everything was great. And so the baby or the doctor was delivering the baby and and she was perfect and he goes to hand me the baby. And I was like, oh Hold on. She wants you have to give it to her first, and she wants to hand it to me. And it was really hard for me to do that, but I wanted to respect her wishes. Like she had done so much for us, and I wanted to to give her that as well. So the doctor then handed her the baby. And there's actually a video of me. Like it felt like it was five hours of her holding her, and it was all of about five seconds. <laughs> uh, but there's You're me like, give like me the standing baby. there, like, just Give me her. Give me her. And then finally she she did. And it was, you know, it was perfect and it was mm-hmm. surreal and beautiful. And and going through surrogacy, the process, you know, it definitely does not feel real until you hold the baby, mm-hmm. um, no matter what anybody says, because you just, are not experiencing Anything really, and the whole process just—you feel very removed from it all mm-hmm. until that moment. And we had waited so long, and it was—it was perfect. It was really perfect. And wow, and and I love being able to share the story with my now both my daughters are getting older, and I am able to share these stories with them. Right? Um, how they came into this world, and and for them, you know, in the beginning, it was like, well, why couldn't you carry us? I don't understand, and who carried us? And that's so weird. And, and now it's like, you know, for them, their stories are no big deal because it's not a big deal. Um, right? and i'm like you know what i am such a lucky mom cuz i got to watch you come out i got to see everything and i Aww. was so present and in the moment and same with my husband like and most moms when they deliver they don't get that because you're in right. pain and you're going through all of that and i was yeah. like no, i was there like so it's really that's um, so, so that's cool. my my special thing right. And can you tell uh, me about the second time with your second yes, daughter yeah. Second time, obviously much easier. (laughs) At this point, I was, and I say much easier, but it wasn't emotionally. So we decided, like after my daughter, you know, she was almost, you know, one or two, and my husband's like, you know, are we gonna think about a second? I was like, you know what? I was thinking that I think I'm gonna try having my second (laughs) he looked at me, he was like, um, you realize that you went through a lot and Mm. most likely that's not going to happen. I was like, well, maybe we should just try. So I went to the doctor, then the same doctor. And I said, and at this time I was working for an agency. So anyway, so when my, my, I was, Gosh, my oldest was about, you know, six, seven months old. Mm -hmm. I would go home crying every night saying I was so miserable, you know, working and I didn't go through all of this to not be able to be with her and Mm -hmm. to be doing something that I wasn't passionate about. Like my, my bosses, they were so wonderful with me and so patient with everything I went through and they were really there with me this, you know, through the years, but I just, I wasn't feeling it anymore. And I, I had told my husband, I was like, I think I went through this experience to be able to pay it forward to others. Like Mm. I wanted to to be there and to offer something to to, to people going through this, and I, I wanted to be involved. So when my daughter was about six or seven months old, I just started looking at agencies. I'm like, I think I want to work for an agency, and he mm. was like, uh, "You're going to leave entertainment." I'm like, you know what? Like, yeah, like I, I'm okay with that, and I want to find something where I can be with her, but also be doing something that I'm passionate about and that I want. To do. so um, great So I started making cold calls to agencies and just you know put my resume out there. And a bunch of doctors who owned a surrogacy agency—it was sort of their in-house agency—ended up hiring me. Uh um, And I got to work from home, which was amazing. So I got to be with my daughter but work at the same time. Yes, uh, and got to get the the business side of it. I had the personal side. I Uh had the emotional side, and it was so amazing being able to be on the other side. And I saw things that I never saw as an intended parent not working for an agency. I saw how much an agency does and how valuable and important they are. And as an intended parent, sometimes you don't see that because you are so focused on just having the baby and and it, you know just all the emotions that are going through it. So I just saw things from a whole different perspective. So I was working at the agency when we decided to have our second. So it definitely was a different experience for us. Once again, though, I went with the first surrogate profile I saw, and she was a first-time surrogate. I remember, you know, meeting her for the first time and it just, it felt right once again, but mm-hmm. I was, you know, again, you were scared and, and I once again felt like I was giving up, not trying on myself again. And the doctor was like, no, I don't recommend it. It's not safe.
0: It's um, interesting so, that you had that wave, that same wave of emotions the second oh, time absolutely. too, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Cause as a, you know, you just, I, if you just, you feel I don't know. It, it, it's just, I, I think at the time I was reading stories and I was also working in the industry. So I would see how much women were going through. I was like, well, maybe I didn't go through enough. Like, should oh. we just, you know, you feel. Yeah. I don't know what the word is, but I just, um, I went through. That and my husband was like, "No, I don't want to see us go through that again." Mm-hmm. Um, so we we got the surrogate, and it was, you know, again the the testing, all the tests that the surrogate has to go through. You know, it takes a number of months, and it's a mm-hmm. very you know hurry up and wait process. But we um, we had a wonderful journey the second time, and we were very blessed and fortunate that the you know with both the first time took our second journey we only transferred one embryo mm-hmm. um, and one embryo took and wow. I was definitely calmer the second time right and um, sorry
0: did you do another round so you could have a fresh transfer we did you did. Use the okay
1: no we did yeah because again that was. It was just the thing that you did and sure. that was expensive and thank goodness, you know, for, for parents who helped us once again go through this. Yeah. Can uh, I ask you to, you
0: don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but yeah. can you give a ballpark? Like how much is it?
1: So when we did it the first time, which was, you know, ten years ago now, you were looking at about eighty-five thousand. Okay. Um, to do it today is about 150000 Okay. So does the um,
0: 85 or today's 150, does that include care for like the surrogate? Is that like a flat fee or like, can you break it down a little bit owning the agency? Like how do you guys figure all absolutely. the like logistics out?
1: Yep. So the hundred and fifty, you know, that includes so most surrogate's base fees can range anywhere from thirty five thousand to fifty, sixty thousand plus, mm-hmm. depending on her experience. Okay. So if she's done a surrogacy before, her base fee is going to be higher. Is it uh, more every time? It is more every time. And okay. it also depends on her location. If she's in California, it's gonna be more expensive because a lot of, you know, the The laws in California are obviously very surrogacy friendly, but also a lot of people who fly here from out of the country, their doctors are in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So for them, they feel the convenience of having a surrogate in California is easier, even though there are so many surrogacy friendly states, Mm -hmm. um, Colorado, Oregon, Texas, you know, it goes on and on, but a lot of people just focus on California. I think New York,
0: it's not legal here. Is that correct? It is
1: not legal.
0: That blows my mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so a lot of the the clinics there, they'll have to either recommend that their patients, you know, use a clinic outside of New York, or mm-hmm. they transfer the embryos out mm-hmm. um, to make sure the transfer does not happen in the state of New York. But right. Hopefully, one day that will change. But it seems um, so like archaic
0: that it's not legal everywhere. And I know, obviously, I'm progressive and all that stuff, and a feminist,
1: but it doesn't that seem wild. To be honest, it's a this is a medical condition. It's not one I I chose. Right. It's not one that I could change. And right. same with IVF. Like why, I mean, that's a whole different topic, but yeah. why yeah. some insurance companies don't cover it or even surrogacy. You know, again, you know, whether you're, you know, a, a same sex couple who has no choice but to do it, mm-hmm. um, or if you're a female that just medically has issues, you know, it's really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. it's really unfortunate so and i
0: think isn't it true also that surrogacy and again yeah we could do a whole episode on just this but
1: yeah. it's banned <laughs> in
0: like other countries too like oh, absolutely. like yeah, france yeah. and okay
1: so yeah, you've got a lot of people
0: coming internationally about fifty. like you said yeah okay yeah yeah interesting
1: so it's it is unfortunate and we uh, feel very blessed to live in a in a state where they make it so easy thank God. yes um, it's just expensive. So if you have right. the money and the means, you can do it. And mm-hmm. some and some don't. And so the resources are more limited. And obviously, that's why Baby Quest was started too to mm-hmm. to hopefully help couples in that situation,
0: right. So um, when did you go from having the two kids to then deciding to start your own agency?
1: So about when my youngest, about two weeks before she was born, <laughs> um, the agency I was working for decided, and they were really busy doctors and they just didn't have time to continue the in-house agency. So I was like with my, my partner now, I was like, you know what? I always wanted to have my own agency. What if we just started our own? So in 2013, about two weeks before my second was born, We started Abundant Beginnings Mm -hmm. um, and it has been nonstop ever since. And it is that's my baby. And it's been such a blessing to be able to do something that I I feel so passionate about and to educate people on the process, whether they use my agency or not. I I just want people to have the right information too Mm -hmm. when it comes to this. And to be able to to have the opportunity to do this because there is, there's so much trust. I said this in the beginning, there's so much trust and we as an agency run ourselves as ethically and as honestly as, as we can. And that is so important to us. And we want um, our clients to feel like their hands are being held Mm -hmm. um, and that we're there for them. And, and the, the hard part about surrogacy too, is that there, you think, oh, okay, I'm going to get a surrogate. I'm going to get an egg donor. Like this is going to work. It's going to work on the first try. It's going to be easy. We're not going to have a miscarriage. And that's not the case. Like, Mm -hmm. I have seen it all still through surrogacy. I have seen Mm -hmm. stillborns. I have had miscarriages. Mm -hmm. I have had really just bad days with clients going through this because this process is still not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. At the same time, 99% of it turns out to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, since 2013, we've welcomed almost 90 babies. And It's such a blessing to be able to help people go through this process um, and be there for them Mm -hmm. and work with our surrogates. Like sometimes, you know, intended parents, you know, come into this and we just have to feel so blessed that there are these women who want to to do this for us as well. Can you tell me Um, a little
0: about the screening process of the surrogates?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They, they go through a really rigorous screening process as far as medical, psychological background, home visits, reference checks. You know, it's weeks and weeks of screening them before mm-hmm. they're presented to intended parents who are okay. looking.
0: Uh-huh. And how um, many do you guys and, have at any given time? Is it kind of like a rotating?
1: It's a rotating, yeah. Okay. I mean, matching surrogates happens very quickly. Uh-huh. So, you know, us, our agency personally can can have anywhere from five to 15 at a time okay. ready to go. So, and every agency runs things differently, their matching process and, and how they work. So, but for the most part, screening surrogates is very similar agency to agency. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're very lucky that there's women out there who who want to do this. And, right. and everyone will say, well, why? Why does she want to be a surrogate? Why does she want to be pregnant? It must be because for the money, which is, you know, this process is is way... Too long, too time consuming, too emotional, hard on their body to just be about the money. We always say that money absolutely helps, whether they're using it to pay off debt, to buy them a house, to save for college, to, you know, for their kids' college, whatever it is. I personally don't care what they if they need the money, great. Like they are doing me. A service, so right. I I'm happy to pay them. Like they're giving me sure. a child, like I, I you know that doesn't bother me whatsoever. So yeah, it's yeah, so they're...
0: wonderful, and it just reminded me of in a past episode where I interviewed this wonderful woman, Christy, who was a surrogate, and she had used one herself later, which was really interesting. Oh. But she was telling me, and I, I just pulled up the, her quote because I wanted to. I thought it was so powerful, and you know, she was talking about people say like how did you give away the babies you know after you yes. had them and she said I never looked at it like that they weren't ever my babies to give away I gave mm-hmm. them back to where they belonged
1: well my and I I, now thought,
0: still remember- just, I just made myself cry <laughs> like I thought that well, was so cool and so special it, and my god what a gift
1: these women they don't you know we've never had anybody who If they want a child, they want their own. They don't want a stranger's child. So again, they go, their mentality through this is, this is just, I'm babysitting. I'm babysitting this child until I can give it to (laughs) their their moms and dads. Yeah. Uh, and I remember my second surrogate. We were we went to her house after my lady Talia was born and and we were she was holding her and, and for surrogates it's really important that they have closure with the process. So we want them to hold the baby and to have their kids meet the baby and and have that. It's Mm -hmm. really healthy and important for them to have that. So we were standing there and she looked me straight in the eye and and mind you, she had never done this before. She's like, can I tell you something? And I said, yeah, absolutely. She goes, I feel, I'm going to cry now too. She goes, I feel so good right now. And is that normal? She's Mm -hmm. like, I thought I should feel sad. And I was like, no, like, I'm so happy to hear that. She's like, I'm just, I'm so, happy to see with your baby finally. And that, that makes me not sad at all. And that's why surrogates do this over and over again Mm -hmm. is because they want that feeling. It's, it's a blessing and it's a gift. So, so for people who, who aren't educated on surrogacy and they say, oh, they're going to want to keep it. Like they just, they haven't been through our shoes.
0: Hey again, guys. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nicole. If you'd like some more information about Abundant Beginnings, you can go to abcsurrogacy.com. And if you want some more info about Baby Quest, you can apply for a grant or donate at babyquestfoundation.org. So I love these strong, fierce women who are doing important things. And I appreciate both Nicole and Pamela and all of you for listening. So thanks again. Talk to you next time.